0: Welcome to the Ideas Podcast. I'm Bella Winger, producer. Ideas was born of the demand that in our time of crises, in our age of anxiety, when democracy is fragile, when intolerance is increasingly tolerated, we must intensify our efforts to create a safe, yet challenging space to discuss and celebrate diversity. The Ideas Podcast provides a forum for Ideas members and our guests to grapple with vexing issues pertaining to our core mission. If you support the Ideas mission, and if you want to show your support, if our journals and podcasts are worth something to you, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash jfcasideas. Any and all donations are appreciated. And for the month of September, we will be donating half our proceeds to LSVD a Berlin-based civil rights association that represents the interests and concerns of the LGBTQ+ plus community. The ideas is also proud to be a part of the Bear Radio network, and Bear Radio has every reason to be proud of its new podcast, 26 September. Elections, voting, and German bureaucracy can be intimidating and overwhelming, but Bear Radio is here to guide you through it. Joined by journalists on the forefront of German election coverage, Bear will be leaning on their expert knowledge to answer some of our most pressing questions. Like, how do I vote? Why should I care? Who will replace Macke? And what is a coalition government? No matter your political leanings, or if you can or can't vote, this is the time to pay attention, because change is coming. So head over to Bear Radio and dive into their election coverage. We will link to it in the show notes. Joining me today is the esteemed editor in chief of our journal, Lena Sitar. How's it going, Lena? Good, thank you. I'm happy to be here. We will also be hearing from three authors today from our newest journal to discuss their articles and their take on this episode's theme labels. Lena, can you please tell me why you chose this theme? Of course. So
1: this is the first journal the Ideas Club is publishing this academic year, and the first one I'm publishing as the editor-in-chief of the Ideas Club. And I wanted this journal theme to be centered around diversity, which is the mission of our club, and to which people of all ages, especially Gen Z, can relate to. And as the pandemic has undeniably played a huge role in almost all of our lives, I really wanted to center around the issue that has not been discussed very often and that is relatively new along with the pandemic about how adolescents around our age group are influenced with their journey around discovering their own identity during the pandemic since they are spending most of their time in isolation and how this influences it and especially living in society in the 21st century we are always developing and redefining new terms and labels And these labels are very broad, so they can be in different areas like politics or race or ethnicity, and especially in sexual orientation and gender identity. And I think that in Gen Z and older generations, since there's so much progress in this area, we really have to make sure that everybody is up to date on these terms, because I've found that there's a lot of lack of understanding or misunderstanding around them. And a goal that I really wanted to achieve with this journal is to close the divide between generations and to make sure that everyone doesn't feel too overwhelmed with the new terms that are being developed and that we create a space for everyone to discuss it and have these discussions, especially in a time when we've been spending so much time isolated. And this is exactly what this journal was brought to do, which will be coming out soon on labels and Gen Z. So we've had a lot of our writers take on different perspectives of labels, like I'd mentioned
0: before with race and politics. So you touched on this just now, but I'm wondering if you could elaborate on why a conversation on labels is so necessary today.
1: Well, I think especially in our society today, we a lot of the youth are very concerned about what our generation's future will look like, whether it's with climate change or human rights and movements. And I think that we need to work together within generations. We can't just isolate and say that generation Z has to look towards their future and the older generations do not need to learn about these terms. But I think that instead of these terms being intimidating to older generations, we really need to work together to build a brighter future.
0: Lena, you sent around a survey to the school asking about labels. What can you tell me about the JFKS student body based on the results of that survey?
1: Well, we had a, since labels itself is a very broad topic, like I'd mentioned before with a lot of subtopics, we had a lot of questions concerning with each sort of area. But one of the identifying factors of the survey, and one really interesting factor, I thought, was at the very end when we had a section where anyone taking the survey could put in a response to their own personal thoughts on labels and Gen Z as a broad theme. And I thought that this was really interesting because a lot of people were talking about how they didn't really understand labels, and they are of Generation Z themselves. So there's not only that, but also... There were a lot of misunderstandings of terms such as the difference between sex and gender, which I think is really important to address. I was really grateful that this issue came to light within the survey responses because this is then something that I could put into the journal because we now have a section called to the core in which we define certain terms, especially labels for this edition. And knowing that there was a lot of confusion around very specific terms, I could then know which ones to put in.
0: How do you think going to a school that promotes labeling oneself as bicultural or bilingual, specifically both German-American, has affected the JFK's perspective on labels?
1: I think growing up with such experience and personal experience and ties with two separate cultures that are very different in their political views and traditions is that you have a lot of experience with handling two different perspectives and viewpoints and somehow putting them and integrating them into one lifestyle. And especially labels concerning nationality or race can really help you with being bilingual because knowing your nationality or in fact having a inner conflict between the German and the American nationality can be either very troubling or very helpful with being able to identify with two separate things.
0: This conversation is obviously very complicated. As you've already mentioned many times, labels is a very broad subject, and there are many different types of labels with many different connotations and that carry many different weights. So in the interest of narrowing down which labels we're talking about, I would like to invite on our first author, Matilda Gross to discuss feminist as a label. Hi, Matilda. How are you?
2: Hi, I'm fine. Thanks for having me.
0: We're happy you're here. So, Matilda, you wrote an article on the label feminist and on feminism and the misconceptions that surround the term. Matilda, do you identify as a feminist? Yes, I do. What does labeling yourself a feminist mean?
2: Well, for me, it's something very powerful and something really cool. I didn't know that there was a term for what I believed in for most of my life until about middle school, I think, is when I first encountered the term feminist. And I immediately identified with it because I'd always believed that all people should be equal. What I see as a feminist is very different from what other people um, react to when I say I'm a feminist. So my experience with the term myself is very different from what other people experience.
0: Could you describe that further?
2: Yeah, I believe that a feminist is a person who believes in the equality of all genders. And I think that's actually a quite simple definition. So it's something that I think also encompasses people who don't necessarily say they're a feminist. They may call themselves an equalist, but a lot of other people see feminism as meaning Preferring women over other people, other genders, especially men. And I oftentimes also get this reaction, um, not only from people who identify as male, also, oftentimes, women see this term as threatening towards men, especially. But I think that there's just a really common misconception there that fighting for equality is what I see as feminism, but many people see feminism as actually ranking the female gender over all other genders. And I don't believe that. And I don't see that generally in feminism.
0: So Matilda, you and I do a lot of work at the school in terms of advocating for feminism. And I imagine you've had a similar experience as me in that you'll hear people say that they believe in equality and that they believe in feminism, but have extreme difficulty even refuse to label themselves as feminists. What is it about the label that you think makes it so controversial?
2: I think what makes it controversial is this focus on on women, the, the word female itself. I think we live in a society where just topics surrounding women in general are often stigmatized or have a negative connotation. But I think that people just can't wrap their head around the fact that if you're fighting for equality, why would you focus on on one gender, right? Why wouldn't you take an all-gender approach to this problem? And I think that's where the misunderstanding lies, because we need to focus on those people in the need of help. And oftentimes, the people who are discriminated against or the people that face an extra hurdle. Are women. Feminism, of course, originally was a fight for suffrage. And now it's become more general. And we've gone through many different waves of feminism, many different stages, many different things we're fighting for. And I think a lot of people don't understand that there's still a problem. They think, okay, women have the right to vote. Women in most countries can buy a house, can buy a car, can have a job. And so I think a lot of people just don't understand that we still need to fight for equality. We need to fight on behalf of the women and the people who have not reached that equality. I don't think people struggle with identifying with feminism. I think it's feminist specifically, the person that they struggle to identify with. Because we've been taught that a feminist is someone who doesn't wear pink, someone who burns their bra, someone who doesn't wear lipstick, doesn't endorse in any kind of activity that other women might or other people might. And a person that is just really aggressive and outspoken in a way that is, that is not good. We have all these words for, for women who are outspoken, like bossy or, or brazen, even has a negative connotation. All these words to describe women who are outspoken. And I think that people just cannot identify with a person that is seen so negatively in society. A feminist is oftentimes not seen as, as this person who's fighting for equality, but this person who's trying to prove some sort of angry point and trying to put down men in their traditional roles or in their roles today. So I think that people are just struggling to understand what feminism really means and what a feminist is and how that actually correlates to feminism, the movement itself.
1: Have you found yourself directly affected by these same misconceptions before you took on the label feminist yourself? So you mean when I was just um, basically advocating for women's rights,
2: but I wasn't calling myself a feminist? Did I face the same kind of backlash? Um, that's a really good question. I've never actually thought about it that way. Um, I think I would have to say no, because before before I encountered the word or before the word was introduced to me, I didn't have the same way to talk about feminism. I didn't have this entryway into conversations with this kind of feminist agenda in mind, because I, I thought all people should be equal. And I didn't question that for a minute. And I thought that the people surrounding me thought the same way. I didn't think that anyone would have a problem with the idea of women being equal to men or women being equal to all people. So I didn't, I didn't necessarily um, encounter that pushback from people until I said, you know, I'm a feminist and I believe this. And people automatically, like I could have said the exact same thing as before. I could have said, I think women should be paid the same as men before. And then I say it afterwards, but with the starter, I'm a feminist and I believe this
0: there would automatically be this pushback. Matilda, you touched on how black or white our environment can be and how much we struggle with the connotations and implications of our labels. For instance, you were talking about how a lot of people perceive feminists as extremely radical and say that feminists are exclusively left-wing. This brings us to a different conversation on labels, namely the conversation on left versus right politically and the connotations and implications of labeling yourself as such. Tony, you wrote an article on political labels and their meaning. Tell me a little bit about political labels and what the relevance of them are today in this day and
3: age. So for one, my article really is a part one to a larger issue, and that is one of the perception of politics within the context of social media and how social media has really shaped the political views of an entire generation, Gen Z to be specific, before, during, and after the Trump era. When it comes to left and right, we see a diverse assortment of ideologies. They each present their own unique takes, but they also contrast with one another, which is why it's so important to have that distinction, not just between left and right, but also between what a socialist is versus a left libertarian. Or a conservative versus a reactionary or fascist.
0: I would like to note that early into your article, you cite the increase in youth participation in politics in recent years. I'm interested to know how the increase in youth involvement in politics is related to or what its significance is in terms of political labels.
3: Well, for one, as said, it had a lot to do with the Trump era presidency. We've seen in 2020, this was a study done by the Center for Information Research, that 50% of the American youth urged the rest to go and vote, compared only to 33% in 2018. I feel like this has a lot to do with social media and just how widespread politics are nowadays. It's very hard to find something that is truly apolitical, which is another point I make about people who identify as such. Everyone has some sort of political ideation whether or not they can put a label on it that's up for debate but everyone has their own principles which feed into how they view the world as we see the new wave we see people like ben shapiro hosting the daily wire a conservative network or people like noam chomsky uh hassan piker finding their own voices on the left wing and this led to basically like i said earlier the shaping of an entire generation's political view and how divided it is actually.
0: So you believe that social media has largely influenced the polarization of politics?
3: Most definitely. And in fact, I'd say that social media itself has pushed a lot of people conclusively to the right. There's a thing known as the libertarian to fascist pipeline in the political space which is a topic I hope to delve further into a future ideas journal or another column, depending on which teacher bids the highest. It's a topic of how, from 2016 onwards, there was a lot of content shown uh, that all followed the same pattern, which, as Matilda said, as Matilda mentioned, led into the perception of certain left-wing ideas, such, such as feminism we started associating feminism with the obese, blue-haired woman who screams a lot, which then led into a bunch of people becoming more critical of not just feminism, but entire left-wing ideals as a whole. And this escalates. This escalates further and further until basic homophobia becomes full-blown homophobia, until just laughing at a feminist turns into misogyny, and laughing at racist jokes turns into racism. And only recently, around 2020, during that election, that race with Biden as the candidate, we've seen the surge in more left-wing takes, more left-wing commentators giving their opinions and pulling more and more people over to the left.
0: So could you delve into the problematics of having so many different political ideologies under one label especially in the day and age of social media?
3: Really, it's because they're far too broad terms, and it's easy to, to see something like left and be like, oh, okay, I know what that is, when really it's a whole spectrum, and that's what most things are. No, nothing truly is black and white. There's a multitude of, of factors and people and cultures and everything that all can be described as one or the other. But you need to look further. You need to delve deeper to truly grasp the full meaning of those things.
0: And because there are so many different political ideologies under the political left or the political right, do you think it's problematic that people label themselves as left or right?
3: To be honest, yeah, in a way. I feel we should be more specific in how we label ourselves, if we're going to label ourselves at all sure it's easy, it's quick, and it's general to be yeah left or right. But I feel if we can define ourselves further and in greater detail, I feel it makes everything clearer. Despite some people might have issue with that, finding out where they really fall into. I feel that's a worthy sacrifice to make to really just brighten up the political landscape and also just show more variety and make things more accessible for people to try things out and see where they really fall.
1: So, Tony, you talk a lot about the new platform of social media and how much of an influence it has on politics. And you also mentioned that there's individuals who may have not had a concrete political opinion yet. Do you think that the combination of influential social media and these impressional individuals could pose a threat?
3: That's a loaded question, but a question I'm ready to answer. And really, my message to anybody who's interested in politics or is starting to develop politically is know who you're listening to and find out if you believe in what they're saying and if they believe in what they're saying. What comes with social media are also grifters. Grifters are people who betray what they believe in personally for financial means. They represent ideologies and values that really go against their personal alignment. But the bag, the precious bag trumps all that. And they will not hesitate to spread misinformation. They will not hesitate to spread hateful messages. So really, to anyone getting into politics, you should find out who is a trustworthy source and... If you really align with what they're saying
1: so having talked about political labels and how undefined they are and how they can represent a very vague spectrum regarding left and right we come to the separate topic of sexuality and gender identity labels and these seem to be and give an opposite impression of being very concrete and defined And Sophie Meissner wrote an article for our journal exactly on this topic. Uh, Hi, Sophie. How are you? Hi, I'm doing pretty well. Thank you for having me. Of course. So in your article, you talk a lot about the different labels for sexuality and the stigma surrounding them and gender identity. Yeah. In our, especially in our generation, we see how these labels for sexuality and gender identity are being increasingly embraced. Do you think that there's some sort of form of social pressure to finding a specific label to identify with? That's actually a very good question. In the article I wrote,
4: I touched on how older labels that were the most used, for instance, gay or lesbian, are now being not set aside but are being added to with labels such as woman loving woman or bisexual. And while I do think that for a small period of time there was an insistence on uh, labeling your sexuality or your gender, I think today's youth is embracing the idea that sexuality and gender they're both fluid and that you don't need to have a specific label for yourself to be able to know what you are and who you love you can just experiment and grow and maybe one day you'll be able to label yourself and if not it's okay still
0: sophie do you think that within our generation we are making labels less specific and allowing people to interpret labels more or if we are you said we were setting aside more traditional or, or older labels such as gay or lesbian to create more specific labels?
4: Actually, personally, I think it's quite funny. I think in this time, there are two different groups of thought in terms of labeling. There are people who need to create more labels in order to find a label that fits them. And there are other people who don't feel the need to label themselves. And I think in a way, it's very nuanced because people are coming up with labels for not labeling themselves. And I mean, personally, I think that whether or not you choose to label yourself depends on you. I think now that Gen Z is instead of deciding to try and pander to society and choose labels just to make other people comfortable, I think instead they're trying to like introspect and see what feels best for them. Do they want to apply a label to themselves or do they not want to apply a label? Them to themselves so I think it's a very personal thing assigning or not assigning labels and I also think that labeling is as I previously stated it's very nuanced there's no one specific label there's no one specific feeling in a label and the meaning or feeling a person has toward their label can change over time so I think that's also another reason why people are choosing not to label themselves because their label might change and if it does then they can change their label
0: so you think that in the creation of more specific labels our generation is confining ourselves and our sexualities more or is it a ticket to test out new realms and to be have more of a freedom with the way we view ourselves and identify
4: i think I think it could be a mixture of both. As I kind of previously mentioned, some people feel really, really comfortable having super tight labels and having people know and be able to identify what they are and having specific terms, whereas other people interpret things more loosely and they don't feel the need to either label themselves or if they do have a label, they don't feel the need to explain their labels to other people if it doesn't fit society's current definition. So I think people are just trying to become more comfortable with themselves and they're trying to, for lack of a better term, soul search and become what they want to become rather than forcing what society has previously wanted them to be.
0: Sophie, in your article, you write, With the Washington Post citing that over 15% of Gen Z identifies as LGBTQ+, and with a lot of them falling into more non-mainstream categories of queer and bisexual, It also causes a revolution in thought, which can be in part attributed to queer theory, which at its most simplified level acknowledges that identities can be fluid and unstable and still be valid. For many, this is a reason why labels fall short. Why seek to label something fluid and unstable? Sophie, you asked that question in your article. How would you like to answer that?
4: Oh, this is a tough question. I was not expecting this. So... I would like to start out by saying that within queer culture, labels have not always been super defined and super needed. I think that honestly the straights TM have pinned the need to force these people into choosing a category to express their sexuality or their gender simply to make straight people or just all of society more comfortable about how other people choose to identify. So I think that this big part of queer culture is the idea that maybe labeling yourself isn't as important as straight people or society thinks it is so in terms of why seek to label something fluid and unstable for many people they feel more comfortable labeling themselves for a lot of people who don't really get validated based upon their sexuality and their gender um, orientation or identity labeling themselves can help them get that sense of validation that they miss but for other people it's difficult to pinpoint exactly who they are or what they like and thus if they don't know if their sexuality is going to stay the same it's easier to not label it than to for instance come out and then maybe two years later they've reestablished themselves they now maybe like something else or are a little bit different in how they are um, either sexually attracted to somebody romantically attracted if they have to re-come out it's it's still in this day and age it's difficult to tell somebody yeah so i was gay but now i'm bisexual because people will not validate that anymore a lot oftentimes m- mainstream society will see that one person said something and they weren't sure about it now so they're probably not going to be sure about this either so i think that's a large reason for why a lot of people just don't want to label themselves.
0: And Sophie, you talk a lot about and write a lot about how sexuality is a spectrum. How do you think we can circumvent or avoid having there be a default at birth in terms of sexuality and having anything but being straight require a coming out or a redefinition?
4: is honestly a really, really difficult question because when you look into the world, there are so many different areas and a lot of areas still have made no progress in the issue of LGBTQ rights. I think first and foremost, a lot of rights of LGBTQ plus people like their fundamental rights they've not been receiving them so i think that's the main thing i definitely think that not needing a coming out or like resetting sort of like the social standard of whether or not someone's straight or gay or whatever at birth i think that's something that needs to be worked on but i think initially lgbtq people need to have rights i mean trans women trans men they're still getting murdered like gay people are still getting murdered so i think In order to even address that question, we need to come far enough where people feel comfortable in their own skin and people feel comfortable coming out. Because personally, I know a lot of people who, you know, they don't really care so much about, oh, um, I was expected to be straight at birth. What they care about is about the fact that they cannot tell their family or their friends that they're either gay or that they're trans because they won't be accepted. They'll be kicked out. They'll be hurt.
0: Thank you, Sophie. And thank you, Matilda and Anthony, for coming onto this podcast and telling us your views on labels and about your articles. All listeners, please don't forget to check out their articles in the newest journal. But before we end, we will be hearing one last contribution from each author, namely their endorsements for this episode of the Ideas Podcast. Matilda, what would you like to endorse today? I am currently
2: reading Invisible Women, which is exposing the data bias we have in our world with really interesting facts that I would recommend to everyone. And otherwise, I also just stumbled upon The Feminist Present, which is a podcast I started listening to today. And up until now, it's very interesting, so I think I would recommend that as well.
0: Thanks, Matilda. Tony, what have you been into lately?
3: I'm a true visionary. Not only do I have two endorsements, but one denouncement as well. As for endorsements, first off, Hassan Piker, alias Hasanabi, on YouTube and Twitch. He's a very good political commentator, providing a a voice to the young left. Uh, My second endorsement, Kanye West, Donda, just dropped yesterday, 29th of August, 2021. It's a banger. As for my denouncement, if you live in Berlin, if you live in the Tittanoff area, do not order from Crispy's Chicken. Go there. If you can't make the trek, uh, your money's on the line. Fire beware.
0: Thank you, Tony. Sophie? Yeah, so
4: I would actually like to endorse the 2012 album from Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City. And if you can't listen to the whole album, which um, I really recommend you do, there are two specific songs. Uh, Number one, Shireen aka Master Splinter's Daughter, and number two, The Art of Peer Pressure. And if you don't like hip hop and you can't stand the beat, which it's really good so you should listen to it anyway, you can just read the lyrics and look at the annotations on Genius. I personally find it very interesting and powerful just read through all the lyrics and read through specifically what Kendrick meant when he
1: was writing everything and yes. Lena? Yeah, I've come upon a very interesting book called Life Inside My Mind. It's a collection of short stories by over 30 authors, very well-known authors who write material ranging from young adult books to fantasy, And each entry tells a story of the author's personal journey with mental health.
0: Great. I would like to endorse the book I'm reading right now, which is Rebecca Solnit's memoir called Recollections of My Non-Existence. She's the author of a book you might know called Men Explain Things to Me. She's a great feminist writer. And her book, as well as all other endorsements, will be linked in the show notes. So if anything tickles your fancy, please check those out in the show notes wherever you're listening to this podcast. And before we say our final goodbyes, we would just like to thank the JFKS for sponsoring the amazing sound on this podcast, specifically thanks to these amazing mics that everyone on this podcast is using. Once again, if you support the idea's mission and want to show your support, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash Any and all donations are appreciated, and for the month of September, we are donating half of all of our proceeds to the NSVD, a Berlin-based civil rights association that represents the interests and concerns of LGBTQ communities. Please also check out the JFKS Ideas Instagram and be sure to check out our journal and other podcast episodes. Once again, a big thank you to Lena Sitar, Matilda Gross, Tony Aldani, and Sophie Meissner for joining me on this episode of the Ideas Podcast. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.
3: It's been fun. Thank you
2: so much.